it, it's so important for us as a church to talk about, um, keep talking about sin in relevant and contextual ways that will draw the truth home to the people of today. We do this for two reasons, that um, our own hearts, which are sort of immersed in today's culture, still feel the seriousness of it. Um, and the second reason is that even as we see the seriousness of it, uh, we will winsomely show our friends and our world and our culture the seriousness of it. The passage that we're going to be looking at uh, today is, is talking about the second time the Bible introduces us to the concept of sin. Um, it, the first sin, of course, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll know that uh, it's, it's about Adam and Eve. Uh, but the passage that we're going to be looking at today is talking about their first two born. Um, and it shows us the first murder in the history of humanity. Yeah, uh, it's fair warning, head, just a heads up, it will get dark. Uh, it is quite dark, but even in the midst of this story, we see the light of Jesus, and that's why I've titled this sermon, From This Dark Passage, Better Word, so that we'll go back with our hearts uh, being filled with the light and the grace of Jesus. I've requested Kia to read the passage for us. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kia. Let's just pray before we begin. Uh, Father, we know that uh, you are talking to us uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, each of us have gathered here after a long time together because deep in our hearts, we want to hear your voice. And you said, my sheep know my voice. So will you speak to us? May your voice be very clear to each of our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you do what you do best with our hearts this morning? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Um, here's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, three things. The first thing is how sin taints us. Yeah. Second thing is how sin taints our worship. The third thing we're going to be looking at is what's our hope. How sin taints us, how sin taints our worship, and what's our hope. Let's, let's look at the first thing. Um, how do we look at sin in our lives? Allow me to ask us this question. When we think about sin, what is the picture or what is the feeling that we have? We usually tend to take these three things, these three attitudes towards it. The first thing is sin is there. We know that sin is there. But as long as I leave it and not mess with it, it will not mess with me and I'm fine. Yeah? Sin is there, but as, as long as I am okay, I don't mess with it, I'm okay, I'm safe. The second thing is, yeah, there's a lot of general sin and brokenness in the world. Um, but as long as I am not majorly messing up um, and still doing those good things and, and uh, you know, Sending out those positive vibes into the world, uh, I, think, I think I'm okay. And the third thing is, hey, we've been talking about sin ever since we've started meeting as New City. So I know there's sin. But if I have to be really honest, there's so much going on in my life right now, I don't think I have the time to even just take a pause and, and think, how is sin, uh, what is sin doing in my life today? Uh, what is the sin in my heart today? Uh, this, is, this has been my attitude and my posture towards it. But let's see how God is talking about sin in today's passage. Let's see what the picture that he's drawing for us. It's in this verse where he says, where he tells Cain, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Picture that. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. The Hebrew word crouching is, is that of a predatory animal ready to make an attack, something like this. That's, that's like a picture that God is drawing for Cain in this passage. Is this how we look at sin in life? This picture is telling us that sin is not just a concept. It's not just a dormant entity. It has a life of its own. There's not a single second where it rests and be like, ha, okay, let him have a good life today. Tomorrow I'll take care of him. No. It's a crouching predator ready to pounce and attack. But it has a very deceptive way to do it. It crouches and hides before it makes the big move. Now, Cain's sin is revealed to us in this passage much before the murder. If we read the passage, the murder is just the grand finale. It's, it's the knockout punch. But before it even shows up in his murder, it reveals itself in his worship. When Cain and Abel gather... Uh, God is, is pleased with Abel's offering, but he's not pleased with Cain's offering. Um, why, it is, why it is unacceptable and why wasn't God pleased, we'll look at it later in this passage. Uh, but for now we know in verse 7, God says, if you do what is right, 
will you not be accepted? Why are you angry? Why are you downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? So sin, God has pointed it out even before murder. When he sees it in his worship. Right after this, God says sin is crouching at your door. And right after that, Cain goes and murders his brother. What's my point? Sin taints our worship before it taints our world. Sin taints our worship before it taints our world. It crouches and hides in plain sight, giving us the illusion of worship before it makes the big move to destroy our life. What is our broken and tainted world revealing to us about our broken and tainted worship this morning? What is this specific crouching predator that it's pointing us to, that God is pointing us to, that is waiting to have us? Are we able to see it today? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit does this in our hearts. Before our lives are destroyed, that the Holy Spirit points us to that crouching predator, that specific crouching predator in our hearts today. Let's spend some time looking at how sin taints our worship. Let's look at what's happening in this passage. It says in verse 3, In course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Well, this scripture portion itself doesn't clearly tell us what is wrong with Cain's offering. Um, it's difficult for us to see. Bible scholars have given many reasons, different reasons, and some of them even disagree uh, with, with each of their reasons. But the one thing that we can do during a time like this is let the Bible itself help us see it. And, and um, in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews helps us look upon this passage. And, and here's what it says. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith. What does that mean? Now, to outward appearances, both were hard workers. Cain wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't slack off and he, he didn't do like a poor job or anything. Both were hard workers. It's not that Cain didn't care about God at all and he kept everything to himself. No, Cain took his offering. So did Abel. But what's the difference? This is the difference. By faith. What does this mean? What does, what, what is this faith that Abel displays here that God is helping us see? Abel is presenting the fat portions of his first 
newborn flock. What does this mean? Abel is in a cattle rearing business. Yeah, if he has to be really calculative, he can wait till all the cattle have given birth and all the cattle are in front of him and say, hey, this is my 10% and I'm going to give God. No. Abel brings his firstborn to God. What does this mean? Let's imagine he has a bad year that year. And instead of, let's say, 10, he has only 2 that year. He's already given God 50% of it here. Without knowing, without even looking and counting his produce, he's already given God the firstborn by faith. Now, Cain also brought his offering, but they were not his first fruits. They were some offering, some of the fruits of his land. Don't get me wrong. Cain probably got some of his freshest and best produce. But it was still not his first. He kept his first fruits to himself. Whereas Abel, without even knowing how many he had, he brought his first to God. And, and it is not really the quality of this offering, but the heart of faith behind the offering that God is looking at. And, and that is why Abel's offering was better by faith. Hey, we see this in Jesus' time um, also. I mean, we've read this recently in the Luke passage where this poor widow just brings two copper coins and puts it in the offering. And Jesus says she's put in much more than all these rich people and their rich offerings. Why? Because she's given all that she has to live on. Friends, that is the faith that Jesus is talking about. And I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our priorities, our, our energies. All through the Bible, we see the followers of Jesus giving their first of everything. And so are we encouraged to do. To take out the first tenth at least of all of our income in the light of all the expenses, the bills, the EMIs takes faith. To choose to spend the first day of every week when we have probably an exhausting, deadly week ahead of us together in worship takes faith. Spending the first hours of the morning while our mind is still fresh, our heart is still fresh, we have all the energy. Spending that first hour and saying, Jesus, I want to use this hour with you. And I don't want to take it straight and invest it in my work. Takes faith. I'm not saying giving to our work, our family and our dreams the best is wrong. We need to give it, our, uh, we need to show in our excellence and give it our best. But here's what I'm saying. Unless we give God our first, we will end up giving all these things, not just as a worship unto God, but as worship to them. We will 
we will give our work our best because we worship it we will give our family our best and first because we worship it and no matter what it is whatever is replacing the first offering that is due to god we will end up worshiping it instead of doing it as worship to god here's my point whoever we give our first to is the object of our worship whoever we give our first to is the object of our worship sin taints our worship by replacing god with something else as the primary object of our worship don't get me wrong god is still there somewhere on the list we come on sunday we give our offering we still doing everything we are serving in church but here's what sin does our first and best it takes and it makes us want to invest in something else apart from god how does this go on to taint our world let's look at what happens when god is no longer the primary object of our worship here's what is happening in the passage god makes cain aware of his sin his sin of anger and jealousy even before the murder he gives him a chance to repent he's asking why are you downcast why are you angry he even points him to a crouching predator that is waiting to kill him but cain pays no heed to it and still goes ahead with the murder when god is no longer the primary object of our worship it makes us indifference to sin because without god what is sin i mean it is my truth god is not involved in the picture it's not god's truth god doesn't define sin i am defining sin without god in the picture we are indifferent to sin and indifference to sin snowballs into unrepentant sin unrepentant sin has the power to destroy our world it led cain to murder now picture this with me friends this is the first murder ever in the history of humanity where do you think cain got his inspiration from did he read about it somewhere did he see someone doing it where did he get this idea it was unrepentant sin in his heart this crouching predator that led him and tuned his heart in that direction and led him to murder now i know that we are not going around murdering people but we do have our own ways of drawing blood don't we when things are not going our way when we when we don't like the people we work with the people at home we have our own ways of drawing blood we have our own attacks and we are constantly ending up hurting ourselves and the people in our lives this is how tainted worship leads to the tainted world what is our hope what is our hope god tells cain even before the murder he says if you do what is right will you not be accepted if you do what is right will you not be accepted but cain still goes and ends up doing that does this sound familiar my friends have you asked ourselves have we have we have we seen this in our lives i know what the right thing to do is i want to do it i wake up thinking tomorrow morning this is the first thing i'm going to do this is this is what i plan 
but when the time comes when the day comes i don't have it in me to go through with it so it is clearly not in our understanding of what is right or our in or our intention to do what is right that is going to help us that's not our hope that's not our hope our hope lies in the future victory that is lying and and in this passage itself let's let's see what is happening right after the murder god tells kin the lord said what have you done listen your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground the blood of abel who cain thought he silenced forever and when god asks him he says hey what do i know am i my brother's keeper god says that very blood is crying out from the ground is crying out to god for justice for punishment for vengeance and cain as you see in the passage is punished and is cursed and is banished away from god's presence and here's our hope into this tainted world full of cains stepped in jesus our savior where we deserved punishment and to be banished away from the presence of god he took the punishment on our behalf he shed his innocent and perfect blood he experienced the separation from the father that we should have experienced and here's our hope friends here's our hope jesus's blood that is shed for us is also crying out in the same uh, hebrews book which helps us understand this passage hebrews chapter 12 the writer says to jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of abel jesus blood is crying out where abel's blood cried out for justice jesus blood is crying out for our mercy where where abel's blood is crying out for punishment for all of our sins jesus blood cries out for our pardon while the blood of abel cries out for our banishment from god's presence forever christ's blood is crying out for our acceptance not as convicted felons but as accepted children of god the blood of jesus speaks a better word and why is this so powerful sin tainted and took away worship from our lives by denying us access to god jesus brought it right back into our lives and he didn't bring it back based on our performance so that in the future if we mess up it will go away no jesus brought it right back into our lives so that no matter how ugly our hearts can get worship will still not be taken away from us because of jesus we can still come into his presence and cry out and say god this is my ugly heart he gives us courage to face the predator 
that is waiting to have us and take it to God because Jesus destroyed it forever. Friends, sin took away our worship. Jesus brought it back. Are we going to just take it lightly? In this world, we will never have perfect hearts to worship. But because of Jesus, it will never keep us away from God. This is why every time we come here to a worship service in New City, through our worship, through our sermon and everything that we do, we, are, we make it a point to intently wait on God to reveal the ugliness of our hearts that we don't want to see. And we beg, would you please transform it? Would you please do something with it? I can't live with this. You know, friends, one of the biggest signs that sin has tainted our worship, listen to me carefully, one of the biggest signs is that we are participating in corporate worship. We're even serving in corporate worship. When it comes to our personal worship, we have very little or nothing to show for it. Cain was participating in public worship. He brought his offering. If sin is tainting our worship, it will give us the illusion and satisfaction that, yeah, we are worshiping God. But when it comes to personal worship, we'll have nothing to show for it. We have nothing. We don't enjoy that intimacy that we get to enjoy with God. Well, we're already in February and let us ask ourselves this one question. What is the one thing that I can do to grow in my personal worship? What is the one thing that I can do to grow in my personal worship? What is the one thing, the one rhythm that I can inculcate to grow in my personal worship? And trust me, friends, once you have that rhythm, we will go and fail. This is the one thing that I had for my life for this year. I wanted to grow in my personal worship. And every day is a battle. I do fail. But the grace of God, His power, the better blood that Jesus has spoken is speaking of the power of grace that will enable this transformation. It's not based on our motive. It's not based on if you do right, you will be accepted because we can't. But the grace of God is speaking a better word, is giving us a better strength, a better motivation to do this. Shall we, shall we give ourselves to doing this? Allow me to just pray, even as I close. Lord, it has become so easy for sin to deceive our hearts. We are so blind to every crouching predator at our door that is waiting to have us. We don't want to see it. Our judgment is clouded. And trust me, even if we see it, we don't believe in ourselves to avoid it or run away from it. Such is our ugly heart. Such is our messed up heart. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, 
Jesus, would you sprinkle your blood over our ugly hearts, cleanse it, wash it. Before it goes on and taints our world and destroys it, would you stop it in its tracks and help us grow in our personal worship, in giving our first of everything and surrendering it to God. Jesus, only you can do this. Only the strength that you can give will accomplish this in our hearts, so we surrender. In your name we pray. Amen.